On this episode of the Grizz Podcast, I talk about the reality of depression among many great men, even Christian men, even pastors and leaders. If you battle depression, you need to know that you're not alone, my brothers. At times, I battle it too. So here we go. Y'all know what time it is. You're listening to the Grizz Podcast. It's gonna be raw. It's gonna be real. And it's gonna be relevant. We're here to guide, encourage, and equip you to live the manly life that God is calling you to live. It's time for you to step up and man up. That's what God expects. And that's what this jacked up world desperately needs. Now here's our host, Jason George. Yo, yo. Welcome to the Grizz Podcast. Today is Friday, January 27, 2023. I'm here in the old Grizz Cave with a hot cup of coffee. Hoping to get out of the office, get outside later today. Man, I need some fresh air. Blue skies, sunshine on my face. You know what I'm saying, dude. I am so white and pale right now. (laughs) I need the sunshine. Guys, I say it often. Get out of that office, my brothers. Get outside. We need it. It is good for us physically, mentally, spiritually. Anyway, let's dig into the meat. So recently, I had two Christian friends. One of them is a pastor. Tell me that they've been battling a lingering depression. And they asked for some prayer, which I was happy to give them. Prayer can be a powerful weapon against depression. But then I began to think, like, how many Christian men, even Christian pastors and leaders, are battling depression? But sadly, they never tell anyone. Most men don't open up about things like depression because they feel weak, embarrassed, ashamed. Men always want to appear strong, tough, happy, Mr. Positive, Mr. I can handle anything. It's like our image is more important than facing and dealing with our inner reality. The truth is, there are many Christian dudes who battle depression, but they bottle it up and they try to cope with it in some very unhealthy ways. And I get that. I'm not judging. I've done it too. I'm getting old, guys, and I've been involved in some form of Christian ministry for almost 30 years now, and I've discovered that depression among Christian men is more prevalent than most people realize, and it's even prevalent among many Christian leaders. I'm talking about pastors, youth pastors, evangelists, camp directors, missionaries, etc. How do I know that? Because I personally know a lot of them. I'm friends with them. I talk to many of them on a weekly basis, either via text messages, phone calls, or Zoom meetings, and I'm also one of them. Sometimes I battle depression. Throughout my life, I've gone through some brutal seasons of depression. A few times, it was to the point that I could hardly eat or get out of bed. There were times when I just wanted to die and go to heaven. 
I wasn't suicidal, but I just wanted to be gone from the misery of this life and be in that perfect place that the Bible talks about with God, where all is good. There's perfect peace, perfect joy, no more tears, no more pain. Part of my problem during those dark, brutal seasons was that I didn't know much about depression and I bottled it up and I tried to overcome it on my own and just try to act like everything's fine. And that's foolish. I know better now. I decided to talk about depression here on the podcast, not just because two friends are dealing with it, but because over the last few days, I felt it messing with me as well. It's been like this mild, lingering, gray cloud. Some of it could be related to what's going on with my body biologically as I continue to treat Lyme disease and other co-infections. I take some powerful herbal medicines that kill a lot of junk inside of my body. And when that happens, it can really mess with you, not only physically, but also mentally. Just part of the process of just killing stuff and then you got to get it out of you. I got to do a lot of detoxing or you feel really miserable. Like I said, not just physically, even mentally, emotionally. But I also think some of what I've been dealing with over the last few days is some spiritual warfare type stuff. At various times over the last few days, like the enemy has really just attacked me like there's been some dark negative twisted worrisome thoughts coming into my mind and this week I had a guy who professes to be a follower of Christ he really came at me hard online he was pretty bold pretty arrogant pretty condescending he accused me of all sorts of things I'm not kidding man it was like it was pretty overwhelming told me that uh I don't properly study the word of God, told me that I'm caught up in revisionist history, I'm not able to see the truth, told me I take scripture out of context, that I've missed the mark of rightly dividing the word of truth for 30 years, I'm like, okay, told me that I'm no different than a Catholic or Mormon who quotes scripture and then adds my own twist that I eat from man's commentaries and from the so-called reformed theologians told me that I have a lack of care to reason together, told me I'm immature and that I hold to my quote unquote, dear little Calvinist beliefs that I'm not being reasonable. I'm a false teacher that I have a worldly viewpoint that I'm in a cult with Calvinist and that I'm not free in Christ. Where did all this come from? Well, basically, this guy has a problem that I believe in what the Bible teaches about what's referred to as, quote-unquote, original sin, or the doctrine of, quote-unquote, total depravity, which basically states that after Adam sinned, all human beings after him were infected with a sin nature. He doesn't believe that's true. He believes that people are born sinless. That's heresy. I tried to reason with him gently, respectfully from scripture, but he had no ears to hear. So yesterday, I ended the online private conversation with him and I just moved on. I said, I'm done. 
But it was a bit discouraging to have someone who claims to be a follower of Christ come at me and rip me up like that. By the way, I've never claimed to be a Calvinist. That's not how I identify myself. Do I like Reformed theology? Absolutely. The longer I study Scripture, the more it makes sense to me. But anyway, my point in telling you all that about this online conflict dialogue with this guy was that his words were harsh, abrasive, judgmental, negative, even twisted. He was slandering me and my ministry. And it hurt. It messed with me for a little while. I gave him too much mental attention and it added to the gray cloud that I was already experiencing. And this morning, I really just needed to bring my thoughts back in line with Philippians 4.8, where Paul writes, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there's any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think, meditate on those things. Man, I'm telling you, obeying that scripture, continually putting our mind on those things has a tremendous impact upon the way we feel. I read an article that said that uh, 10% of men will suffer a major depressive episode during their lifetime. But I actually believe that percentage is much higher because I know guys, man, like most men who have a major depressive episode, they're never going to admit it. They don't want to admit it. And they don't want to go to a shrink or a doctor that gives them a diagnosis of that because if their employer found out it could jeopardize their career i have a pilot friend like that he was going through some major depression it was affecting him physically but he felt like if he went to a shrink or his doctor and he got that diagnosis his employer may fire him and also with that statistic that says 10 percent of men will suffer a major depressive episode during their lifetime What if it's not a major depressive episode? What if it's just some sort of low to medium grade lingering depression? (laughs) Because listen, I'm like, how many dudes are dealing with that? You know what I'm saying? I'm telling you, many men are dealing with some form of depression and they often try to cope with it by eating junk food, overeating, using harmful drugs, abusing alcohol, porn, video games, or they just like try to ignore it and just keep themselves super busy with work or ministry. We use all sorts of things to try and cope when depression comes to visit. I'm telling you guys, depression, even among Christian men, even among Christian leaders, is way more prevalent than most people realize. But sadly, It's hardly ever talked about in churches. Think about it, man. When was the last time you heard a message in church about the reality of depression among Christian men? When was the last time you heard a message that was solid and practical about how to overcome depression? I mean, like maybe you have. If you have, that's awesome. Praise God that you got a pastor like that. I grew up attending church my whole life, and I don't remember ever hearing any kind of message like that. Not one. 
So guess what that silence on the subject does to Christian dudes who are dealing with depression? They end up thinking some pretty whack thoughts. Like, I must be the only Christian dude who's dealing with this. I guess depression really isn't an issue for other Christian dudes. Maybe that means something's wrong with me spiritually. Maybe I'm not really saved. Maybe I lost my salvation. As I said, when the church stays silent about this very real and prevalent struggle, all sorts of whack thoughts can come to mind. Listen to me, my brothers. If you're dealing with depression, first of all, you need to know you're not alone. Let me say that again. You're not alone. You're not the only one who's dealing with it. You're not the only Christian man who's dealing with it. You're not the only Christian pastor or leader who's dealing with it. In fact, some of the greatest men who've ever walked the planet, some of my heroes whom I respect and look up to, they also battled depression and they learned how to manage it. And they went on to live incredible lives of deep and lasting impact. And that's why they're my heroes. That's why I respect and look up to them. Not because they had an easy, comfortable, happy life all the time. They weren't enjoying their best life now. Who are some of these heroes? First of all, I just began to think about in the scriptures. You Think about a guy like Moses. Right after he killed an Egyptian murdered him. He had to flee Egypt. He had nowhere to go. And he's wandering the desert in a depression. Like, what is going on? Where are you, God? What, what, what's happening? I was trying to protect your people. Now I'm like, I got to run in exile. There's King David. In Psalm 43, 5, he actually wrote, Why am I so depressed? Why this turmoil within me? Man, all through the book of Psalms, if you've ever read through the book of Psalms, you'll see that he often dealt with depression and anxiety. At times, the dude seems bipolar. He's up and down. One chapter, he's this joy-filled, peaceful man who's on fire for God. In the next chapter, he sounds like an angry man. The next chapter, he's a deeply depressed man who wants to die. And then there's the prophet Jeremiah, who was known as, listen to this, the weeping prophet. Do you know that guy preached for 40 years, 40 years, warning God's people to repent, but no one listened to him. No one responded. For 40 years, he saw no success in changing the minds of God's people. They remained stubborn and hard-hearted. How would you like to have that kind of ministry? (laughs) Today, in American evangelicalism, he would be considered a complete failure. But he wasn't. He was a success because he was faithful For 40 years, no one responded, but he was faithful. He did what God called him to do. That's what matters. But did it bother him? Yeah, it bothered him. Caused depression, the weeping prophet. Then there's the prophet Elijah. He dealt with depression right after he came off of a spiritual high, 
right after seeing God's power prevail over the prophets of Baal. All of a sudden, the dude's like in a deep depression after that. Then there's the prophet Jonah. He dealt with depression right after he preached in Nineveh and saw people repent. He gets depressed about that. It's like, what the heck, man? Job dealt with depression after God allowed Satan to greatly afflict him. Who wouldn't deal with depression if you went through everything that Job went through? Then there's the Apostle Paul. He definitely dealt with seasons of depression. In 2 Corinthians 1.8, he wrote, We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Did you hear that? It was so bad for Paul that he says, We despaired of life itself, of living. Translation, he didn't want to live anymore. Anybody else been that low in their Christian life? Dude, as I said, I've been there more than once. Then there's Charles Spurgeon, who is known as the Prince of Preachers. He often had frequent bouts with depression. Back then, it was referred to as melancholy or despondency. Spurgeon referred to it as his fainting fits. It was so bad at times that he had to totally take a break from his work and ministry responsibilities just to get away, to get himself back to a place where he felt he could help others because he wasn't well enough to help others because of what he was going through. Spurgeon has some incredible quotes related to depression that he's left behind to encourage those of us who deal with it. I want to share some of those with you. The first one is this. He says, before any great achievement, some measure of depression is very usual. Fascinating. Hey, pastors, youth pastors, leaders, listen to this. Before any great achievement, some measure of depression is very usual. He observed that in his life. It would come on right before something great was to be achieved. Hmm. I wonder how true that is for many of us. Here's another one. Those who dive in the sea of affliction bring up rare pearls. That is so true. I love his his words, his imagery. You dive deep into the sea of affliction, pain, suffering, depression, And instead of just like, why am I in this? Why are you letting me go through this guy? Watch what you come up with because you will come up. The clouds will break. You'll hear me say that again and again. It's first season. It won't stay that way forever. Those who dive in the sea of affliction, they bring up rare pearls. They come up with things. They get things in them and then even through them that they would have never had, had they have never gone through affliction, suffering, pain, depression. Here's another Spurgeon quote. Fits of depression come over the most of us. Cheerful as we may be, we must at intervals be cast down. The strong are not always vigorous, the wise not always ready, the brave not always courageous, and the joyous not always happy. That was from a sermon titled, When the Preacher is Downcast. And then this last one from Spurgeon. 
He said, I would go to the deeps a hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word in season to one who is weary. That's so true. That's biblical. Paul talked about that in his letter to um, the Corinthians, just that God allows us to go through certain things so that we can be able to comfort those who are going through the same thing. Those are the best people to do comforting. Those are the best people to do the counseling, to grieve with you, those who have been through it. That's what Spurgeon is saying. It did something for him. It made him a better leader, a better minister, a better preacher, teacher, counselor, shepherd, friend. I would go to the deeps a hundred times to cheer a downcast spirit. It is good for me to have been afflicted that I might know how to speak a word in season to one who is weary. So many people that life is just great for them all the time. They've never been through the dark nights of the soul. I don't want them around when I'm going through deep, painful, heartache, wanting to die. I don't want them around. What are they going to offer me? They don't get it. Then there's Sir Winston Churchill, another one of my heroes. He wasn't a follower of Christ, but I still love the guy, and I've learned much from him about leadership. He called depression his black dog. In fact, I read that at times he was so paralyzed by his black dog that he had little energy, spent a lot of time in bed, had few interests, often lost his appetite, and had trouble concentrating. He wasn't fully functional when the black dog paid him a visit, and it didn't just visit him a few times. He battled seasons of depression for decades. Some of his bouts with depression would last a few months, and then he'd snap out of it. The clouds will break. That's what I'm telling you. They're going to break. I'm going to keep saying it. And he'd be back to his normal self again. One of my favorite Churchill quotes that I've often used is, if you're going through hell, (laughs) this is so good. If you're going through hell, keep going. He's saying, don't give up. Why? Because it's not going to stay that way. The clouds are going to break. Then there's uh, President Abraham Lincoln. I am reading another biography of him this month. A lot of people who admire him don't realize that he battled seasons of depression his entire life. In an article entitled Lincoln's Great Depression, Joshua Wolfshank, who is a writer for The Atlantic, wrote this about him. Abraham Lincoln fought clinical depression all his life, and if he were alive today, his condition would be treated as a quote-unquote character issue, that is, a political liability. His condition was indeed a character issue. It gave him the tools to save the nation. I love that because it's true. Many scholars believe that Lincoln's depression actually helped prepare him to be the leader, the president that we needed during that time. It helped him become a better man, a better leader, a better president. Listen, your depression can be of great benefit 
if you learn how to properly face it and learn from it. I found a few quotes from Lincoln where he actually talks about his depression. In a letter written on February 13th, 1842 to his best friend, Joshua Speed, Lincoln wrote, Remember in the depth and even the agony of despondency. Remember despondency is another word for depression. Remember in the depth and even the agony of despondency that very shortly you are to feel well again. He's telling his friend, you got to remember that. When you're in the midst of it, you think like it's always going to be like this. I'm always going to feel this this way. I just want to die. I can't go on with life like this. How, how am I going to do this? Remember, in the depth and even the agony of despondency or depression, that very shortly you are to feel well again. The clouds will break. On January 23rd, 1841, Lincoln wrote a letter to John T. Stewart, his first law partner. In the letter, Lincoln said this. This will show you how bad it was for Lincoln, how hard depression would hit him. I am now the most miserable man living. If what I feel were equally distributed to the whole human family, there would not be one cheerful face on earth. Whether I shall ever be better, I cannot tell. I awfully forebode I shall not. To remain as I am is impossible. I must die or be better, it appears to me. <laughs> right there, he. this was before his previous quote, because that was 1841. The next, that quote I gave you earlier was in 1842 that he sent to Joshua Speed when he was telling him, basically, the clouds are going to break. Well, this is at a time when Lincoln's in the midst of it, and he does not feel like the clouds are going to break. It can do that to you when you're in it, man. Then there's C.S. Lewis, another one of my heroes. He lost his wife to an agonizing battle with cancer. During that season of intense grieving, Lewis filled four notebooks. At first, they were filled with words of anguish. But then later, he began to write of the positive changes that this loss, this grief worked in his character. The notebooks were published a year after his wife's death, and they were entitled A Grief Observed. He went through a difficult, dark season of questioning God's existence and also his goodness. After much time and deep reflection, Lewis decided that the grief he was experiencing must have some redemptive purpose. He learned to trust God with it. Lewis learned that pain, suffering, grief, Depression does something for us that good times cannot. We hear God as we've never heard him before. Listen to this quote from his book, The Problem of Pain. We can ignore even pleasure, but pain insists upon being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures, speaks in our conscience, but shouts in our pains. It is his megaphone to rouse a deaf world. He's right. In my own life, there were things God had been trying to tell me for decades, but I just wouldn't listen. Then he brought great pain and suffering into my life with this thing called Lyme disease, and I heard him loud and clear. 
The pain, suffering has brought much purging and purifying to my life. Inwardly, I've become a better man. I still need much more purging and purifying. I've not arrived. I'm not even close. But man, he got my attention. And I've made some serious changes in my life for the better. Last but not least, there's Jesus. He also dealt with feelings of deep depression. The Bible actually says that he was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. In Isaiah 53, 3 is where it says that. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. If you think Jesus was a constant, joy-filled, and happy person when he was down here on earth, you're mistaken. To present him that way is completely unbiblical. It's wrong. When he came to this fallen world, many things broke his heart. He was a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. Think about it. If you were the creator of the universe, the eternal holy God, and you came down to this jacked up world and dealt with all the unbelief, ungratefulness, rebellion, ridicule, rejection, opposition, betrayal, and persecution that Jesus did, good night. You think you might struggle with a little bit of depression? Hebrews 12, 2 says this about Jesus, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Did you see that part, who for the joy set before him? That means that Jesus didn't experience full joy in this life here in this fallen world. The real joy was to come later. He suffered in this life here in this fallen world, but he endured it because he knew the joy that was to come. There would be salvation for humanity. There would be reconciliation, restoration. There would be a new heaven, a new earth where all will be made right. He kept his focus on that to accomplish his mission here on earth. And we got to do the same. So my brothers, listen to me. I drop all those names of great men on you to let you know that you're not alone if you're dealing with depression. Let that fact encourage you. You're actually in good company with some extraordinary men who have majorly impacted this world for good. Also, as you can see, dealing with depression doesn't mean that you're some pathetic, weak, or ungodly loser. It happens to the best of men. Really let that sink in. Let it encourage you. You're not alone with what you're going through. You can make it through just like many others before you have made it through. The clouds will break. On an upcoming episode, we'll talk some more about this. I'm going to share with you some things that help me manage and overcome depression when it pays me a visit. Stay tuned for a couple closing items of Grizz. Biz. Hey, thanks for listening to the show, guys. I sincerely hope this episode was a blessing to you. I love hearing from our listeners. So if you'd like to connect with me, you can reach out through email or social media which are in the show notes. You can get all that. You can email me at info at narrowtrail.com, info at narrowtrail.com. I will end up getting that. 
And also, just want to remind you, the Grizz Podcast is an outreach of Narrow Trail Ministries Incorporated. That's our nonprofit. So if this show is a blessing in your life, then be a blessing back by becoming a monthly supporter for as little as $10 per month or $20 per month. I know that doesn't seem like much, but it helps us do what we do. Just $10 per month. We would not exist without the faithful financial support of our listeners, just like you. Go to narrowtrail.com, narrowtrail.com, click on our give page to set that up. It's safe, it's secure, it's easy, it's private, it doesn't take long to set it up. You can cancel at any time, and we will always send you a record of your contribution for tax purposes. Also, if you've never done so, leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to the Grizz podcast. That helps us out. And share this episode with a friend or your men's group who may need it. If you got a brother from another mother who's dealing with some depression, feeling down, and you don't really like know what to say to him or how to help him, well, here you go, man. Send him this. You know what I'm saying? If you're struggling yourself with sexual temptation and you need some good, safe community, support, accountability and a confidential environment, you know what I'm saying? Then I want you to check out our online groups for Christian men. They're called climb teams, climb teams. Go to our website, narrowtrail.com. Click on our climb team page. I'm telling you guys are finding freedom and spiritually growing together. They're making progress. It has been so awesome for me to see. Lastly, Get some internet accountability on all of your devices. You know you need it, and your kids' devices, they need it too. Use Covenant Eyes. It really helps. Stop falling in this area. Do something to prevent it from happening. Get serious about killing sin. One of the ways we get serious about killing sin is setting up things that will prevent us from going back to it. Go to CovenantEyes.com, CovenantEyes.com, and check out... um, at checkout, sorry, don't check out, at CovenantEyes.com, after you sign up, at checkout, use the promo code GRIZZIN, GRIZZIN, G-R-I-Z-Z-I-N, GRIZZIN, you know what I'm saying? If you use that promo code, they're going to give you the first month completely free. That's it for now, my brothers. That's all I got for this episode. I'll be back at you soon. Keep fighting a good fight. Honor God. Live manly.